coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Has to really just, like, pedal to the metal. What is that? Sorry, hold on. What? <laughs> There's just something on my desk, and it's like a red shriveled up thing. <laughs> it really Something honestly like looks that. like I ate like disturbing chicken and chewed it up and spat it out. <laughs> I can't touch that. I'll deal with that later. That's going to stay there. <laughs> Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. I am Matt. Uh, what are you drinking this evening, Matt? Well, I am having Maker's Mark and Coca-Cola Zero sugar. Oh, that's good. That keep <laughs> yeah. you going. Yeah. Yeah, I need uh, the caffeine. <laughs> and also, I just like it. And also, that's it. I like it, and I want a caffeine. I don't have another reason. Yeah, caffeine would be you? good. I've just got a Miller Lite here. Ooh, so, yeah. Oh, Fancy oh, so fantastic over there with with all that corn syrup in it. You know. Oh my god, Bud, I forgot Bud about Light that. hating on it. <laughs> well, Bud Light's better, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, so we are your movie-going lifestyle podcast, soon to be award-winning. Uh, and we're here again bringing you our third week of Oscars coverage. Um, just going over the lead-up to the actual ceremony and trying to see as many of the nominees as we can. Um so how many do you have left to see at this point? I have 22. Nice. And that's um that's including 14 shorts, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So excluded. So it's like all the shorts, which you can really count as like three movies cuz it's going to be knocked out in three three trips to the the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really like, you know, 11 movies i guess because those are three and then they're the eight right to get me up to 22 so um yeah so i i'm at 23 so um since we've each seen one of the shorts we're both at 14 shorts um so that's nine features for me so it would probably be like 12 viewing sessions uh i saw five movies this week just like last week so keeping on a pretty regular pace and uh, so far, we're looking pretty well on pace to finish up on time. There is one sticking point that we've both run into at this point, and that is that the film Border is not available in theaters anymore in either of our cities. Uh, their last showing is tonight, uh, Tuesday, February 5th. While we're recording this, uh, it's actually starting about half an hour at the IFC Center in New York. And after that, we're not really sure how we're going to be able to see this movie. So yeah. uh, kind of Why worried about I that. I, sh- I probably should have been like, I have to go see that. Um, <laughs> instead, I'm here. I'm at home. You would uh, have abandoned me f- uh, to go see it on your own. Okay, well, you would do the same <laughs> if those situations were reversed. Okay, maybe, maybe. But we come on, we've got a podcast to record here. We've got priorities. Yeah. You're right. Uh, you're right. But we could have we could have shuffled that. There's only yeah, one showtime yeah. of this movie left on the East Coast, apparently. Yeah, apparently. I mean, if if anyone else knows somewhere else it's playing, please let me know. 
Um, but as far as I'm aware, this is not playing anymore anywhere around where we could get to it. That's crazy. Um, you would think it would have been able to get like a slight second wind after the nominations and Yeah, some, especially uh, in New York. Like yeah. I think if anywhere it would still be showing it. Um apparently it's still showing in like five other theaters, but I have no idea where they are. Probably, probably LA. Like Illinois. <laughs> Somewhere out in the middle of Illinois. There's a bunch of like really keen border fans who are keeping this movie alive. Well, um you never but know. yeah. If anyone knows where we can find this movie, um, one way or another, please let us know. Send us a DM. Uh, or yeah, just, please. Yeah, let us know. We're going to try to find it any way we can. But uh, as for now, we have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, exciting in a way. Um, other well, than that, <laughs> not so much exciting as you know, terrifying. But Yeah, I don't want that to be the one. We're going to get through it. We'll find a way um whatever yeah. it takes <laughs> i know i can make it through oh anthem for the oscars death race 2019 oh yeah yeah that's that's what'll keep us going so yeah i saw five movies this week um first reformed first man uh green book shoplifters and mining the gap nice uh, yeah um i saw of those i saw Green Book and Shoplifters in theaters because uh, they're still playing around here. The rest of them were all home viewings. Okay, yeah. I saw... Um, so I knew... Okay, so first time watches. I saw Murray, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, First Man, and Mighty the Gap this week. And only Murray was... Um, I, I just changed the way I'm pronouncing that like in the middle of a sentence. But, One of these uh, days we'll figure it out. As yes. Well. Um, I've seen it and I can't remember. Um, but uh, I saw Mirai in a theater, um, but the rest were all at home. Uh, mm-hmm. I did, however, make it to Roma in a theater. Nice. Uh, Very nice. So that happened, which was really cool. Um, it was nice to have that experience and it felt good about supporting it. So, yeah. Um, Roma is a great theater experience if you have the opportunity. Um, but if not, perfectly fine on netflix it's just a great movie all good yeah it's very good on netflix why don't we talk about um first reformed first that was the first one that i saw after our last recording session i think i actually watched it the same night that we recorded um wait really oh because we recorded early yeah we recorded early i I watched it kind of late that night uh, yeah, it must have been. Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. But I, I stayed up <laughs> for it. It was worth staying up for. Uh, it was a really good movie. Ethan Hawke is just as amazing as promised all around. It's, uh, it's a pretty interesting story about um, a pastor at a, a church that's seeing a very dwindling uh, population that's sort of kept, kept alive through the support of a larger, more corporate church. And it's sort of his struggles with faith in the wake of like global climate change and all the struggles that come along with it and like the potential impending doom of humanity. So uh, it's a very time relevant movie. Uh, It's got a great script all around and it's got some great performances. So um, I thought it was great. And I definitely agree with 
Um, a lot of the people out there are saying it should have gotten some more awards recognition, but um, at least I think it got only the screenplay nomination, which yeah, so it's a little it underwhelming, but screenplay, yeah, uh, that is the only one. Paul Schrader got that, which is, I mean, that's a great nomination. It was a good screenplay, but yeah, I yeah. definitely think it deserved better than that. Um, that's a real bummer, if you ask me. Yeah, we should have seen that Ethan Hawke nomination there. Yeah, I mean, he was just so good. It's incre- It's crazy to me that he didn't get a, a, a nomination. But what do I know? What's also crazy <laughs> is that Paul Schrader, <laughs> he just has a very strange filmography. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I mean, this is the guy who directed The Canyon starring Lindsay Lohan and James Dean, the porn star. <laughs> so like, that's an interesting choice. And so now he's like, directed this like really serious sort of faith-based drama like it's not critical of faith necessarily either no so it's like it like really is like sort of like a faith-based just like film and so it's like very like what a strange choice for this man and it's really good and i think his direction is really really strong um and stands out i mean the the whole movie is just like from beginning to end it's like dread like there's like a knot in your stomach Right. Like something bad is going to happen like um so it is it is a it's really good it's really well well made um yeah i think it does a good job of mirroring just that sort of sense of impending doom that a lot of us have about um climate change and um the potential for it to uh destroy our way of life right um i, I thought that they did a great job of bringing that across into the film and right. um, it couldn't be more relevant right now. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's super movie. relevant. That's for sure. Yeah. So I'm really, really bummed. It didn't get a little more Oscars love and I don't really know why it didn't. Um, yeah, but definitely go check it out. If you're so inclined, it's on uh, prime video streaming right now. If you have that, otherwise it's available for rental. Um, not in theaters anymore, I think, because it's been out for a while. Yeah, but it's definitely, like you said, it's on Prime, so it's really easy to, to find. It's not hard. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you can rent it. Uh, yeah, I don't know where else. Maybe it's at Redbox. I'm Good trying to remember man. that Redbox exists right now. <laughs> That's, like, one of my things. It's been a while since I've been to Redbox. I like have gift card money to Redbox, but it's been so long that I don't even remember how to access it. Oh yeah, but I know it's still there. I you know I have it. Yeah, I do. You're right, because there's a chance I could find some of the movies I need there. Not Border, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Border unfortunately is being released on DVD here two days after the ceremony, which is just fantastic timing for <sighs> us. That's so ridiculous. We. The Swedish release is happening on the 11th, so we're hoping that that's going to get the ball rolling, so to speak, on our ability to see this. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, we're sort of at the whims of the universe on that we one. Are. So, to re- just to circle back in full spoiler alert, the ending of First Reformed is a very strange... <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, the movie takes a really... What did you think of that? Did you... I mean, I've seen... um. I think most people I know enjoyed the film as a whole, yes. but I have definitely seen some people react less positively. 
Yeah, the ending <laughs> is a little controversial. Happened. And yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, maybe don't listen to like this next minute or so. Um, but yeah, the ending there, um, he's like, he's about ready to uh, do like a suicide bombing almost of this big church event where he knows that the um, one of the church's corporate sponsors is going to be there who's responsible for um, supposedly responsible for some big, like his company's responsible for some big acts of pollution um, and sort of smooths over their public image by donating to the church. And um, the thing that stops him is that he knows that um, so the, the wife of this guy who committed suicide earlier is going to be there and he's formed like this close bond with her. So he doesn't want her to get hurt. So he's going to commit suicide instead just by drinking bleach. And then um, like, as he's about to do it, she comes Not in just by drinking bleach. Yes. By he wraps bleach. himself in barbed wire. He wraps himself, I, that's just like, I don't know if he's trying to kill himself at that point, or that's just like part of his aesthetic or something, but <laughs> that is, that is a part of it. The barbed wire is a part of it. Um, but yeah, she comes in like right before he's about to drink the bleach and they just like start making out really hard. And that's like the end of the movie. Yeah. So I guess the question is, first of all, did she actually show up? I mean, was that real? Like, like it's like a really weird like segment that she's suddenly there and then they're making out. Yeah. And it, that was like a very strange, I don't know what was going on. Um it was weird. So I, I viewed it as kind of like an expressionistic kind of scene that it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but it's more there to give you a certain feeling rather than um, be like literally related to the plot. Um, and I think it's just supposed to be like a hopeful moment there, like that like love and hope can overcome the like the sheer dread of um the crisis of fate that he's facing right yeah i think that's right i think it was about the hopefulness of just like human connection right and the power that it can have in a, in a really bleak bleak contemporary world that we have i think that's probably true but it, it, it was a it was a choice yeah yeah it was definitely <laughs> unusual it was extremely uh, jarring when i some when people I don't like it no, of course not. But that's just because it's so like surreal and doesn't feel yeah. like like it like it does take you you know, it catches you off guard, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't think you could possibly like see it coming. From First Reformed, why don't we talk about First Man next? Oh, I really like the uh the chain of connection there. A segue there. Um yeah. so while Whereas First Reform was the first one I saw this week, uh, First Man is the last one. I watched this last night. And this is uh, the story of basically Neil Armstrong training to go to the moon and then going to the moon. Uh, it's starring Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, and it's directed by Damien Chazelle, who's given us uh, Whiplash and La La Land the last few years. Um, yeah. So this um, this was kind of an unusual movie for him. Uh, I thought it kind of broke the mold of the last two movies he's done. Uh, definitely seemed to be a different sort of style. And 
didn't really follow a lot of the themes that he has been following over the last two movies. Uh, but I thought it worked pretty well. It sort of gives like a, I, I don't, I don't know if I want to say gritty take, but it's like just a very, I'd say a down to earth take on the whole space race. Like, whereas it's generally played up as to be this grand thing, like this huge, bold endeavor that larger than life heroes have taken on. This movie sort of takes a down to earth view of it. It shows like the, the real struggles that they go through interpersonally, how it affects his marriage, his relationship with his children, and just like the general fears of taking part in something this dangerous. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting in that regard. Yeah, I think that's where the movie succeeded the most is when it tried to make it more about just the real person impact. Um, I think that it regrettably didn't do enough with like Claire Foy's character. And yeah, just like the other wives of these men who were doing these, obviously at the time, very dangerous missions um, because they are all dying. Um, Right. And I really wish it had explored that more because I mean, Claire Foy manages to make a really strong, memorable performance out of basically nothing i mean her character does not have much written for her she it's nothing Um, yeah and so like she makes it something really really special out of such little material i imagine that if she'd been given like a really strong character it would have been something really awesome um i think it would have only enhanced the movie because a lot of the movies you know it's more like ryan gosling and that's fine he's good um yeah but I would have liked to see more from Claire Foy's character. I also think that um, one of the things that the movie didn't do as well for me was just like any time they tried to like make it like really dramatic stakes for Neil Armstrong, it was sort of like, well, we all know that he's going to be okay here. Like, yeah, that's true. We all know that. Like, so it's like it really, so like by when it focused on the domestic drama that was happening, like just like the impact of it all, it really worked because we don't know that story. Like, that's not something we all just know. But when you try to say what's going to happen with him, it's like, well, I mean, he's going to be fine. We know that much because we know he gets to the moon. <laughs> like, right. And we also well, know he lived a nice, healthy life into old age. So it's like. <laughs> that's the problem, I guess, whenever you uh, make a movie based on real events is that, you know, the outcome. But I do think that they did, still did a good job of making some tension in those scenes. Uh, the space flight scenes are actually some of my favorite parts of it because. I thought it made it seem like they were in these rickety tin cans of spaceships. Like you could hear yeah. every single piece of metal in there rattling around and you could really like every time it spun over, they really made it very disorienting and um, just, you got at least somewhat of a sense of just how by the seat of your pants, some of this stuff was, or at least in this depiction it was um, for all I know, it was, went a lot more smoothly than this, but um in this love to think it did (laughs) i would hope so this makes it seem very roughshod and like the any of these spaceships could fall apart at any moment um but it was it was an interesting choice and i thought it helped uh add a little bit of tension whereas obviously you do know that he's going to make it eventually um but it still amped up the tension on like a visceral level yeah i mean i don't think that they were bad they were poorly filmed scenes or sequences or anything like that 
I just think that sometimes when it tried to make it more about like his character and just like the basic stakes there, I was like, well, we know, like you can't do that. So when it does things like the moon sequence at the end and it makes it just more about his character's development in that moment and like the visual splendor of being out there, that really, really works. I mean, there's no denying that like that final, that final sequence, the Apollo 11 mission is gorgeous. It's amazing to watch. Um, Yeah. And that's really, really good. So, but yeah, I think that, um, in general, I wish it had just been more focused on like the basically him and his wife. I really wanted to see more of like their dynamic. Um, yeah, it, it put an obvious strain on their relationship, and the movie should have explored that more. Uh, it would have made it really, really interesting to me. But yeah, yeah, that was some of the most interesting uh, parts of the movie. I thought. Yeah. Um, and one part I really liked as well was how they showed um, the public reaction to the moon landing. Yeah. Whereas generally you get this feeling that like everyone around the nation is anticipating this eagerly and like waiting for it to happen. And then when it does, they're super excited. But here you got a feeling that there were other people out there who didn't really like the Apollo program, who thought it was like a waste of time and money and that it was actually somewhat controversial uh, on a national level. One of my favorite scenes was when they're showing um, they're showing a protest of the Apollo program. This is like right after they show um, the Apollo one accident, which killed three of the astronauts, um, which I was also very glad that they showed because I feel like that accident doesn't get enough exposure in to a wider audience. Uh, not as many people know about the astronauts that died there. And those were like some of the real greats of their time who were lost right. in that accident. Uh, so I was glad to see that. But then like shortly after that, they showed a protest scene. There was uh, a character there who was portraying a, a poet from the time reading one of his original poems. It was called uh, Whitey on the Moon. And it basically contrasted um, like all the all the problems that he might face in his everyday life with just this idea of, Oh, but there's white people walking around on the moon. So right. uh, It's all fine. Um, Which I thought it was an interesting perspective. It just, it gives you an idea of like what the average person might actually think about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think that was really good. And I did like that scene with the poem as well. I thought that was really, really well done. And I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, I think, yeah, that's real. I think that people do think of it as like this, like we're all like super proud of being like on the moon and that was great, but like people were not always happy with it. And I mean, you can even look at it now if people talk about space. I mean, whenever our illustrious president talked about the space force, everybody was like, what? Why would you spend your money on that? Like, (laughs) like, so it's like, of course, like nobody, like that's never been the case where everybody's just always on board. It's like, once we succeed, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. But <laughs> yeah. until then, everybody's like, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, and I'm super pro uh, space exploration in general, but it is interesting to see like a wider perspective on it. One right, that's right. not just based around like, rah, rah, go USA, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, in general, I thought First Man was a good movie. I liked it. Um I see why it didn't get like more like, you know, I had anticipated when it first came out, I thought it was going to be like an Oscar front runner. Um, But I see after having watched it, I see why it's not. I mean, it's like, I won't think about it in like two years and be like, oh yes, that was the best movie of its year. It won't even factor into the, into my thoughts on it. 
Yeah, um, it was definitely overshadowed by a lot of other movies this year. Yeah. But it is good. And um yeah, I mean it's I agree. I it's a weird choice for Damien Chazelle, I would say. Um, yeah. It's a little more just like straightforward melodrama than he normally does. Um Right. So that was kind of interesting. I mean, there's some like I guess like there's some kind of fun with time, but otherwise, yeah, it's like very straightforward. It's not it's not like super, the most challenging movie. So Yeah. Uh the technical aspects of this movie did get a decent amount of recognition from the Academy this year. Which I and thought are, was I think that's right. Yeah. It was a very strong technical right. movie. The uh the sound editing and mixing were both nominated and the right. production design. Um and really, um, it wasn't nominated for cinematography, and that's a pretty tough category this year. But uh, a lot of people think it probably could have seen one there too, because um, it did have a lot of really beautiful imagery, especially those scenes uh, on the moon and the uh, landing sequence. Right, right. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have been surprised to see it get that, but yeah, that was not not in the cards for this year. But that's okay. Um, it was. Yeah, I thought technically it was a really, really strong film. I think that's where it excelled the most, probably. Um, but, well, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. I'm conflicted on this movie. I thought it was, like, good, just not great. And there were a lot of, like, nitpicky things I think it could have done better um, that it was hard for me to overlook. But in general, if Damien Chazelle is trying to get his chops on, like, some... uh some really just like domestic drama. Sure. This is a good place to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, he could start here, uh, get a better grip on it, but you know, there's just like nothing like, I mean, there's no like, you know, like knockout scene, like La La Land's like montage scene at the end, you know, like there's nothing yeah. like that. Where it's like, this is like a director who's like, like gonna like stun you. Like there's nothing like that here. It's hard to live up to that scene. Uh, it is, but you know, you would think that after card right there, after doing that, you'd think you do you wouldn't do you wouldn't expect someone to go do something like this after that either, like where it's like kind of like straightforward. I guess the moon scene you could think of as like a stunner. I think yeah. one of the reasons it's not quite as stunning as something like that La La Land scene is just because of the movie that came before is a little more uneven than La La Land was. So, um, La La Land. I mean. I know there's like a backlash to La La Land. I don't really get it, but La La Land was an excellent film. And yeah, I like, don't get it either. <laughs> so, um, I think I think it was just um, it was portrayed too much as like the movie that might beat out Moonlight, and everybody wanted Moonlight to win. Um, me too. But first I still of all, La La Land. yeah, it was a great movie. Um, but yeah, they were both movie movies that were really good that came out that year i mean we can have respect for both of them yeah that's how i feel so but yeah so i don't want to be uncool but la la land was great yeah it was it was fantastic if you're one of those ones who got caught up in the fury go check it out it's actually quite good and it's not like what i get really confused about with la la land is everybody sort of talks about it in like in the sense of oh well you know moonlight was this really great innovative unusual movie about a queer black man and la la land is like a straightforward uh happy go lucky all your dreams come true musical and i'm like that is not at all what la la land was about no. it's actually a very dark movie at several points 
Um, and it is not about all your dreams coming true at all. It's very similar to Whiplash in that it's sort of about the perils of greatness and how um, in chasing your dreams, you might like destroy every other aspect of your life. <laughs> I mean, in a way, First Man is the same thing. Yeah, um, so it, that is sort of a parallel there. I guess maybe that's what Chazelle was going for. Right. I think this is a theme that he's into. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that, yes, of course, the importance of Moonlight being about a black queer man cannot be overstated. And that's oh, why yeah. it, that's one of the reasons it deserved to win. Like, that's obviously. And it was just but, all around fantastic, too. Obviously. Right. Well, yes, of course. Yeah. But like, you know, also the factor of like what it was about. But La La Land isn't a bad movie because it's not that like <laughs> um, it. And also I agree. It's definitely not about your dreams coming true. I mean, it's about the exact opposite. Yeah. It's about sacrificing your dreams for money, essentially like, and like stability and fame or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and like sacrificing your personal relationships to advance your career. Yeah. Or your, your level of fame. Right. <laughs> so I, yeah. I definitely don't think it's like, not a happy-go-lucky movie. <laughs> um, All right. Well, um, I don't really have a solid transition for this one, unlike that stellar transition of the last one. But um, really what, what about Minding the Gap? Um, Ooh. This is one of the documentary nominees this year. Um, and uh, I've only seen three of these so far, so I can't really say what's been my favorite but this might be a front runner right now um it's a really really interesting movie it essentially tells the story of these uh these three young men who all knew each other growing up and they all used to hang out skateboarding and um it's filmed by one of them um who's his name is uh, Bing, Bing Lu, Bing, Bing Lu, yeah, and he's like sort of an up and coming filmmaker, and decided to make this documentary about him and his friends. Um, and it starts out sort of just about them skateboarding, and it's got your typical kind of skateboard video shots. It's got the fisheye lenses and everything. It's got all the action shots that follow the skateboards, but it's also about their personal lives as they're growing. Uh, from teenagers into young men. And it's about all the struggles they face along the way. It's about um, like some serious problems that they've all faced in their lives, like domestic violence, um, racism. And I think it's just, it's an incredibly powerful movie about like all the perils of growing up, um, like the dangers of falling into the same patterns of the environment you were raised in. And um, just all the all the pains that are involved in the process of becoming an adult. So I thought it was just absolutely phenomenal, especially for a the directorial debut of Bing Liu here. Right. So it's got all of that. Plus, when it's over, you'll want to turn on an all-time low CD and wear some, like, checkered vans. <laughs> so you really can't go wrong. Uh, my new got the skateboard stuff was great i it's definitely my favorite documentary that i've seen uh this year um i really really enjoyed it i thought it was excellent i thought bing Lu did a phenomenal job i mean not only being the director of this film but being like so personally close to the subject matter right. um which you know isn't uncommon for 
documentaries, I guess, like that does happen. But like, yeah, this is literally like a, about his personal life in a lot of ways and about some really dark parts of his personal life. And then about um, the deep personal lives of his close friends. Um, and that takes a lot of guts yeah. to make that movie. Um, and to make that movie in a way that is uncompromising and I mean, it doesn't always like at least one of his friends, it doesn't always portray them in a really good light. Yeah. And I, it, I think that it makes at least one of them look pretty bad at some times. Yeah. And I think that's really um I mean, I think that shows like a lot of like power and courage as a filmmaker. Um it makes me really excited for what Bing Lu could do in the future. I mean yeah, if he could yeah. do that now, then who knows what uh, he could do next. Um, so that's really awesome. And yeah, I just thought overall it was a really, really well-made film. I thought like the moments where you actually see skateboarding were like it made me not hate skateboarding. I don't know, like <laughs> I, you know, normally I'm like that. Really, come on, guys. Um, it looked like fun, looked and like fun. and and it didn't feel unnecessary either like it it tied in the skateboarding really well it was like an activity they could use to escape from um a bad home situation from the stresses that they were feeling in their lives um and it was something that tied them all together at the same time it's really like reflective of how like in certain like i mean it just did a really good job of portraying what like pop punk bands have been saying for years which is that like when you turn a bunch of teens loose in a town that doesn't support teens they're gonna turn to things that annoy everybody else and probably get them into trouble like like (laughs) skateboarding culture like that's what's gonna happen they're gonna mirror everything around them and turn to cultures that might not be the most positive for them so like it i mean i feel like the movie did a really good job of expressing that without coming right out and saying like you know this isn't our fault like (laughs) Um, but yeah. it, I mean, it's clear that it's not. So it's just like, it's a, yeah, it's hard. Skateboarding culture is a weird one. Skateboarders are dumb. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Okay. Hot take. Hot take. Well, there's Explain. that point where they're all like standing on a roof, like screaming and drinking beer and like there are fireworks going off. And I'm like, y'all, like y'all are going <laughs> to get drunk and fall off a roof. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They showed some pretty dumb shit going down <laughs> at some of their parties. which is like fine like i can't i two thousand percent cannot judge let's just all be clear on that one i have done some dumb things we've all been there yeah but i'm just saying dumb dumb stuff was done as Um, someone who's also filmed hours of young adult parties in my time i i felt very close to those scenes in fact mm -hmm. oh yeah those scenes were important to me I really, I texted you within the first five minutes, that one guy like shotguns a PBR and I was like, all right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this movie's speaking my language. I got it. I get it. Um, it's also a very like relieving, like hour and a half long documentary. Um, it's not super long. Yeah. It's easy to get through. It's quite well paced. The um, characters are really like genuine. I mean, it's a documentary, so they should be, but that's not always the case. So, right. Um, no, I think, and I think it's remarkable how much you can see them change throughout the course of the movie, um, sure. even as it takes place just over a few years of their lives. Um, you see them de- like deal with having to get a job, having to uh, like support themselves, at least in one of their cases, um, support a child and a family. 
um, and having to just sort of grow up almost overnight, um, not being able to just hang around skateboarding and drinking beers with their friends. What um, about how this movie like made Denver into like a weird promised land? Like everybody, <laughs> it did. Everybody was always like, oh, "I'm trying to move to Denver." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "I get it." Like, what they live in, like Illinois or whatever. Like, I'd yeah, probably want to get Rockford, out to Illinois. Yeah, so, I mean, Rockford is a a hell town, but like, yeah, Denver. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's like, so maybe they don't want to go to Chicago, and that's like the other closest big city. Well, it's know. also like, I mean, pot, but like, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that that was like sort of the unspoken uh element there although like marijuana shows up many times in this yeah, movie I was as well say, it was so. not an unspoken element in this <laughs> they're film not, um, they're not exactly shy about that um but yeah yeah denver was sort of like a, a promised land in a way um that they were trying to at least some of them were trying to get away to one of them does yeah um well two of them technically do but we only see one of them live it out so um, yeah yeah, but yeah, so it was, yeah, I thought it was really great. I mean, it was a great film. I really, really liked it. Yeah, and it's on Hulu right now, so um, relatively Hulu. easy to see. Uh, but It's a Hulu, yeah. like, original, right? Like, it's going to stay on Hulu. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's got their branding and everything. Um, it has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so quite acclaimed. Uh, I don't know if I, what I think is the favorite for best documentary, but I would love to see Mindy the Gap win. Yeah. I mean, so there's the other ones in that category are Free Solo, RBG, um, and Hale County, and um, of Fathers and Sons. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know anything about the last two. Not enough. Um, I know a little bit about Hell County, but I haven't read enough about like whether or not it's really good or not. But yeah, but we'll see. Um, we'll see what the other ones look like and whether this one stands a chance. Uh, so far, I think this is at least my personal front runner. Uh, yeah, which but is hard to place in front of Free Solo because I really like that one too. It's hard for me to know what people like, like I don't follow documentary circles as closely as I do like, you know, fiction film. <laughs> yeah. So like, so like I have, I just don't know general consensus on these movies, you know, like among fans of the category. So. Yeah, that's true. One would think that I would know a bit more having worked in those worked in this field at some point, but <laughs> uh, I do not. So we'll see. Um, Good. That was really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing all my expertise to the table here. I appreciate it. All right. So, <laughs> moving on to um, Shoplifters. Um, mm -hmm. So this was my foreign film watch for the week. Uh, you saw this a little while ago, I think. I did before uh, before the last episode. I yeah, I did. Yeah, I had to think about it. I don't know if we talked about the plot of this before. Um, but to I don't think we talk too much about it. No, yeah. to basically sum it up, it's um, it's about family is the essentially uh it point is of it. Indeed about family and what what makes a family. Um, whether it's better if you can choose your family or if you have your family that you've known since birth and you keep them for your whole life. Um, but it's about 
this sort of family living together, um, but they're not actually related. They do things like shoplifting um, and various scams and schemes to get by uh, as they're all trying to support each other. And um, the the real crux of the story is they find this um, this little girl who's been abused and take her in as part of the family. And she sort of provides a lot of the driving action of the story. Um, but basically you get to see just a few months, I'd say, of life for this family and their times together and how they live together. And I thought it was quite good. It really it gives a complicated view of its main characters. You know, they, they have some definite moral shortcomings in some places, but also they care for each other quite a bit. Um, they would give up anything for each other. And I, I thought it was, it was pretty touching if a bit of a complex movie. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought it was very touching. I thought that was the point of the movie was that, you know, family's always going to be complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think of the the main little girl who you thought of as the catalyst, right? She came from a family that was neglectful and not great. Yeah. So yeah, she came to a family that had lied and done some bad in their time, but at least they loved her. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that uh, trying to decide which outweighs the other is kind of hard. So, I thought that was what the movie was about. You know. Um. I think there's that powerful line in it. Um, it's towards the end, but it's been in all the trailers, so I don't think it's a spoiler to say. Um, where, you know, the the mother figure in this is like, oh, so just because you give birth, that makes you a mother. Um, right, yeah. That was a big is, line. You know, and then, spoiler alert, what the, what the trailers don't show is the, the, the person asking, or her, the person she's talking to says, well, you can't be a mother without giving birth. It's like, no, you know, that statement is obviously not true. And um, yeah, I think that's basically what the movie's about is about how that's that's wrong. You, you're not a mother just because you give birth and you can be a mother without giving birth. Yeah, it's about family is not just about blood. It's about who you care for, who you're willing to make sacrifices to take care of. Um, and, you know, this this felt like more of a real family than the uh, abusive family that the daughter came from originally. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was really good. I cried like seven different times in that movie. Um, I really, really liked it. It is very touching. Definitely. And it has, it has some heartbreaking moments. Um, but this one's probably kind of hard to see, at least right now. I saw it in theaters, but it's only playing in two uh, pretty small theaters around here in D.C., Say, it depends um, on where you live. New York still has it at a lot yeah. of places. So if you're in a major city, there's a good chance you'll find a way to see it. But okay, well you're in a major now. city, and you yeah. just said it hard. <laughs> well, I mean, it's in it's in two theaters here. Um, yeah. So I'd say that's not like the hardest thing to do, but the, it isn't like it's playing at the AMC downtown or anything. I like feel that. like like us, like what's hard for us versus what's hard for like your average moviegoer might be different. But yeah. <laughs> Um, I feel yeah. like we are more willing to go out of our way for things, but that's definitely true. I mean, <laughs> uh, if I see a movie's playing like outside of New York city, I'd be like, well, I guess I'm going upstate today. 
<laughs> it can be a hassle, but uh, we're willing to put up with quite a lot of shit to see some of these movies. I am. Um, You're but right. Yeah. Uh, presumably, it'll come out on home release of some sort eventually. Um, I wish I had more information on that, but that's all we know for now. So the last movie for this week that I saw, um, and then like you've seen all the mo- movies I've seen. Um, I think I there's some that you've seen that I haven't seen. So we can talk about that afterwards, but I feel like we're going to have a little bit to talk about here. Uh, I saw green book this week. Oh God, uh, you had to bring it up. And uh, despite, despite my uh, greater inklings, I actually enjoy this movie. I'm pouring uh, the rest amount. of my makers into my glass right now. <laughs> like literally the rest of the bottle is being emptied into this. Yes. Um, I, I texted you right afterwards. Oh, I know. I said, you're going to hate me, but I enjoyed Green Book. <laughs> and I just said goodbye. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, um, like it's not the most incompetently made film, but I can't get over like what I think are its egregious sins with, when it comes to being a movie about race. Like, right. It's no, just I mean, like it handles it so poorly. It's not so I, I'm not going to forgive that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on all those counts. And I definitely um, I definitely had just as many misgivings coming out of the movie as I did going in in terms of how it treated uh, Dr. Shirley's character and just the overall uh, message about racial relations from the movie. But um, I mean, it was uh it's sometimes a bit of a charming movie. It was, it was funny. Uh, it was pretty well made. The music was fun. Um, I don't view it as being a particularly accurate movie, um, in terms of being like a biopic or anything. I think, uh, I think it would have been better if they just left Don Shirley out of it and made it, you know, like just some generic black musician. Um, then they could have gotten away with whatever they wanted to. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was at least fun to watch, um, despite all of those shortcomings. Um, so I'd give it a middling grade. I, I'd, I think I downgrade my anger level on this one to maybe like a six. Um, I like, so do not, (laughs) I still have, I still have issues with it, but, um, yeah, I feel like if they just like ignored well, I don't think they, they couldn't really ignore the whole race issue, but if they hadn't tried to lean on it as much because they were handling it so incompetently, if they'd focused on making it more of like a buddy road trip movie, because those were those are the parts that I felt like worked the best because they were sort of like an odd couple on the road together and like they had their spats about um, like one of them was fastidious, the other one's a slob. If they'd played that up more and made that be the central conflict rather than like, Oh, Don Shirley doesn't know much about black culture, but the other guy does. If they just made it like, well, Don Shirley's kind of a reclusive weirdo and the other guy's trying to get him to be a little more outgoing. It might've been a little better, but then again, I mean, and it would have been the movie just, it was. like they should have just not made it about Don Shirley. If that was the case either. Cause I feel like they just did him no, um, no, good favors by portraying him this way in this movie. Absolutely none. I mean, it was really, it was bleak. Um, yeah, listen, like I said last week, uh, I think there were some good performances here. Um, 
Peter Farrelly's direction is not like the worst ever. I do think the coloring in this movie is not pretty. It's like the most basic color scheme. It's all like very like orange and teal all over the place. We get it. Mm-hmm. Like we've all seen season four of Game of Thrones. Like <laughs> we don't need this again. So yeah. So that was kind of frustrating, but otherwise like, you know, main, my main issues really do all stem from the race issues. Um, right. And, and that one moment, did you catch that moment, that terrible moment where they call back to the whiskey glass on the, whiskey the piano thing. joke? Yeah, that was it pretty bad. Drove me insane. Like, I can't get that out of my head. It's just the camera, the way it cuts to Viggo Mortensen's face, like, guffawing. And I'm like, we know it was a callback. We get it. <laughs> and I mean, and like, that scene was fun, kind of, because like, it had him, you know, playing jazz in the bar. Uh, but... Like I thought also like the whole point of that scene was supposed to be like, oh, he's letting loose. He's playing jazz now, like a good black man instead of the classical stuff like he normally does. And like Don, Shirley knew, Don Shirley knew how to play jazz. He chose to play classical music because that was what he liked. And like that was his preferred style of music. It wasn't like a matter of somebody opening him up to jazz music. Um, so yeah, like that, the whole point of that scene is kind of iffy if you really think about it. Well, the Um, whole point of that scene is like, like that scene is like, it epitomizes the issues I have with this movie's take on race, like everything about that scene. Right. You know? So yeah, absolutely. The whole thing is iffy. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so not a fan. Let's but Mar- I thought Marshala Ali like really put a lot into this performance. I, I think his, Ali always puts a lot into his performance. He is what I'd praise most of the whole movie is that like yeah. he did a really good job and you could see him working with what he was given, even as he was reading some lines that were a little questionable. Um, he, a little. He really, yeah. <laughs> he really put, um, put a good deal of uh, pain behind Don Shirley in some of these scenes. Um, and he made him into a very respectable, upstanding person that he was, um, even as the story somewhat degraded him. Yeah, absolutely. The story. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad you had a slightly better experience with it than I did. Yeah. Maybe you were influenced by being with your mother, you know, like sometimes I see something with my parents and I like, like it more than I ever would have otherwise. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I'm definitely guilty of that. Like, I have like sentimental connections to anything I watch with my parents. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. But like, I went in fully expecting to like hate this movie and sure trying to stay open to it somewhat as I do when I go see a movie that I expect to hate. See, you're but also I better found... about that than I am. I think <laughs> like when I decide that I've hate, I hate a movie. Like, there's like no coming back for me. Like I can, I mean, it has definitely happened where I see a movie and it turns me around. That has definitely, yeah. that's been the case. It's probably happened within the past year that I like went in thinking that movie's way too hyped. There's no way I'll like it. And then I left and I was like, all right, that was really good. That probably happened with <laughs> infinity war, but like, uh, and like infinity war was like top 10 of the year for me. But like, I'm pretty sure beforehand I was like, Mm-mm, that's going to be terrible. That looks terrible. What are we yeah. thinking here? No, Infinity War was what I expected, pretty much. <laughs> like, I but, loved Infinity War. Um, um, that was like a, a feat of like screenwriting and visual marvel. But anyway, that's not the point of this conversation. Yeah. So, like, I thought that um, 
yeah, I think that I definitely struggle sometimes with like, I make my decision and then it won't change because I am a stubborn little punk. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I mean, like halfway through this movie, I didn't feel like I really had to try to like it anymore. Like I was actually enjoying it. Um, but yeah, if it had been, if it had been worse at the beginning, I feel like it would have been harder to stay open to it. And it does have some bad stuff at the beginning, like that whole scene with the glasses, which just so totally pits the audience against um, Figo Mortensen's character. If they have like any sense of de- decorum whatsoever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's not, that's not great. <laughs> It's a bad so scene. It's hard to come back from that. I, I did not find his character really likable through most of the movie. I didn't feel like he really redeemed himself at the end, uh, even though that's clearly what they were going for. But, you know, we just we we pushed through it, pushed through that character for the Don Shirley character um, and just took as much of that as we could, despite not being the best portrayal of him. Um, but it, yeah, had some good acting. That was good. That was the best thing about it. All right. And, um, I think you have one more to talk about. Well, I Uh, saw two more this week. Oh, two more even. Jeez. Well, I saw Mirai. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about that last week. I saw that that was in theaters. Um, and it was lovely and it was amazing and you're going to like it when you see it. Yeah, and how was that place that you saw it at? Oh my gosh, it was so cool. So um, I went to the Syndicated Bar and Theater in Bushwick slash East Williamsburg. Shout out Syndicated if you ever listen. Um, I It turns out actually, um, so when I came up here, I came up to interview for the job that moved me up to New York. Yeah. It was actually um, the first time I interviewed there because I interviewed with them in person two times. Um, it... The first time, that was where I I stayed in an Airbnb right by it. Oh. Um, But I don't think it had opened yet because it only opened in like 2016 or 2017. And this was in, you know, 2016. Um, Okay. And it was like summer 2016, like July. Um, So anyway, even if it had opened, I didn't know. But I passed where my Airbnb was. And I was like, holy crap. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, I know because I remember laying in that subway station for a really long time, just laying there because that was the night I got roofied. But anyway, um, (laughs) um, I was with someone just so everyone knows it was not, I was fine in the end, but cause I had a friend with me, but, um, but anyway, so I remember, I remember the area so vividly because of waking up there and being like crap and then having to walk back and like just like the sur- surreality of like not remembering the last like 12 hours and walking oh back like <laughs> um so anyway i know it very well and so, so fond um, memories of that place obviously <laughs> it's actually a really cool area and like there's a there's like a really really good pizza shop like right there that is regularly featured on like travel channel and food network so actually it's really cool um but anyway so syndicated, I like walked in and like it has like a, a legitimate like sit down restaurant and like really cool bar outside where they sh- have a bunch of TVs where they show like TV shows and stuff like that. Um, so like this month they're showing uh the whatever the season of RuPaul's Drag Race that's out in right now, Broad uh, City, All and, Stars. Yeah. Is it All Stars? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then um the Bachelor, 
And so they're showing all of those, like, and they turn the sound on and have people come and watch. And then, um, and like, oh. they showed the Super Bowl this past weekend, and they're gonna show the Oscars actually. And I'm thinking I might try to go. Oh, we'll that'd see. be cool. Yeah, it'd be really fun to watch with like a bunch of people who probably saw all the movies. Um, and then we can like be angry together or fight <laughs> with one another, depending on how we feel. Um, but then their theater is really cool and it's like really small. Like they only, they can only, there's no way they seat more than like 30 to 40 people in there. Um, oh. And it's all like booth style seating. So like, like you're not like in one little seat, um, which I actually really liked. I thought it was really nice. Um, I felt very like open and free. Um, and the food is just, it was really good. I had a really, really, really great like fried chicken sandwich that like made me want to die but like <laughs> uh an amazing tater tots but um and they've got good it's like not bad pricing so anyway if you ever come to new york that's the place to go because the t- movie tickets are cheap so you can splurge on like the food and drink so yeah i want to check that out that sounds mm-hmm. good yeah and also the movie was so good so it's a win-win i mean it was really good i cried um it it's like biggest issue is maybe like structural. Um, you always like you'll I mean, have you read anything about it? I, I don't know anything about it okay. other than it's animated. So the basic premise is that there's like a little boy. He's like maybe like he's not even kindergarten age. Um, and he's like so he's like an only child at this point. He's like three or four, maybe four. And um, he no, maybe like three. Anyway, he's an only child and his parents are like. I don't know, like his father's like an architect. So um, the the thrust is his mom is now pregnant again and is about to give birth. And when she gives birth, she's going to go to work and the dad's going to be a stay at home dad. And because mm-hmm. he can freelance because he's an architect. And so um, anyway, they um, the the baby's born. And basically, you know, like with any time a baby's born and there was only one child before the first baby starts to feel like what's going on. I'm no longer like any nobody loves me. And that's like basically the plot is that like you're tracking this like three year old who's just like, I don't understand why they don't love me. And um, and like he regularly gets upset and he's and the baby, the new baby. And uh, well, I won't tell you that. Uh, So anyway, okay, no spoilers. Um, the the little boy like is always like he's always, you know, getting like angry. And then like what happens is he will like get angry about something like his mom is paying more attention to the baby or something like that. And so Kuhn, who is the little boy will like go outside angrily. And then like, he'll hear like an animal or something or like a loud noise. And he'll look over and the garden that's in their house has become like something different. Like suddenly he's like underwater or he's like in a different like time or something like that. Like, it's basically like he's using fantasy to like work through his issues. Right. Um, And it's like really, I mean, it's really gorgeously animated and really well done, but it is like, you sort of like there's like a very clear narrative structure here. Like he goes, he gets upset. He goes outside. This fantasy thing happens. He comes back to normal, having learned a lesson. He gets upset. He goes outside. This fantasy thing happens. <laughs> he goes back to normal, having learned a lesson. And like each lesson is like teaching him like why he shouldn't be mad at like parts of his family and stuff like that, you know, and like okay. other people. And like it is really, really good, but it is like I'm glad they like. I'm glad the runtime is what it is and they did as many as they did because if it had been like one more, it would have been like, okay, we know, like we get it now. Um, Cause it's very, very like very formulaic structure. That's not a bad thing. Formulaic can be good, but um, yeah, 
anyway, it's a good movie. It's really good. And there are some really great moments and it's really, really sweet. And it's about like family and how complicated family is. So just like shoplifters in a way. Yeah. Um, no, it does sound uh, a little similar to that. In the Although not, answer. not quite like, I mean, there's no, like nobody's like a murderer or anything. <laughs> um in this one so there's there's not as much crime going on shall we say no <laughs> no but it is about how like i think basically the movie can boil down to like being a kid is scary but like so is being an adult who has kids so mm-hmm. like you know that's sort of what makes life like really exciting and beautiful is that it's always scary for all of us at all the time at all times we're all just scared um, mm. so uh yeah i really liked it i thought well, it was good I'm going to have to find a way to see that. Uh, It's not playing anywhere around here, although I have heard inklings that uh, there's a place uh, where pirates roam that you may find it. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I... I don't know. I'll, I'll hopefully will find a play a way to find this. I'm not quite as worried about it as I am with border, but a little concerned. I'll be happy when I've finally watched it and gotten to check it off. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there are any coming up in New York either. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's playing here at at the AFI Silver, but not until March. So that doesn't okay. really help me. Right. Uh, it's another one of those ones that came out a few months ago, and if I just thought about it then, ugh. I know, I know, but none of us did. Yeah. All right, and uh, your final one this week. What was that? The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh yeah, right. Well, we've both um, seen that now. We talked about it a little next week. Uh, what did you think of that? I liked it. Um, yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was like stunning film, but it was good. Um, it was really entertaining. And there were segments of it that were really, really good. Yeah. Unfortunately, there were segments that weren't as good, in my opinion. So they like really weighed it down. Um, that's true. But, oh. That's the beauty of the anthology structure, though, is that uh, you just watch a different segment if you're not digging it. I know. I just want a, an anthology that gets them all, though. You know, like, I want all of them to be good. Um, you got to check out Creepshow. And... I, well, I like Creepshow. Oh, yeah. um, that's the, the best anthology in my mind. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it, isn't it? Although I think uh, VHS 3 might be... <laughs> <laughs> interesting to go with three okay but i do like the vhs trilogy i really like vhs i don't remember um if i actually like vhs three though i don't think i do mm-hmm. although vhs three is the one that features um a segment well i do like parts of vhs three because vhs three <laughs> is the one that features a segment by the guys who did uh the endless Ooh, yeah, yeah. which so. one did they do they did, uh, if you've seen VHS Viral, the third one, mm-hmm. they did the one where uh, it's the skaters. Right, right. And okay. they get attacked by like the skeletons, which is just like this gleefully macabre, ridiculous sequence that I love. I really, really like it. And yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. That set has kind of the same tone as The Endless in that it's like scary, but also kind of funny. Yeah, although The Endless, I, I think, is legitimately a lot scarier. I don't know. The Endless yeah. really got to me. It like, and maybe it's because it was like when I saw it, who I saw it with, because I was just drunk enough, but not too drunk. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh my god, like <laughs> I'm gonna die now somehow, <laughs> and then I'm gonna be dying every day. Like, <laughs> oh so, god, um, yeah. Now that's a horrifying idea. But yeah, very scary movie, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. So I really, I really like their sequence. Um, 
in it in vhs viral but they they did really well with the enlist now i'm looking in to see if they're doing anything but uh but buster scruggs yeah um good good movie overall what was your favorite segment Uh, so for me it was like sort of a tie between the mortal remains which is the final segment and the first segment ballad of buster scruggs right Uh, i thought they were both really good and both i i feel like they're both like two of the more ridiculous ones too like (laughs) In a way, yeah. Uh, I mean, the f- the first one is by far the most ridiculous in my mind. It's yeah. So but I think the first one also, like, really exemplified, like, a lot of, like, Westerns culture. Like, you know? Yeah. So, like, I thought it was, like, really, really perfect. Uh, the Mortal Remains sort of did, too, in a lot of ways, but also was just, like, really bizarre and weird. It was, like, to me, I looked at, I watched it, and I was, like, that was, like... I feel like I just watched Waiting for Godot, but, like, different. Yeah. Like, it was basically the same concept, though. <laughs> Yeah, it was like dark and kind of existential and contemplative. And like and maybe their whole their whole ride on that that stagecoach was literally just like the afterlife. Like maybe right, the whole time yeah. they were dead. Um, so I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I think I love it. I think I love how <laughs> ridiculous it is. Like it's like it is, yeah. it's not very like like it's extremely oppressive because it's like so absurd. It's not like I don't know, like it's, I wouldn't say it's like super subtle or like whatever, but that's what I loved about it. Like it was just like over the top and nonsensical. So I loved it. Um, I mean, the whole, the whole movie is fairly over the top, at least in times, uh, definitely the first segment, but like all the other ones, even though they have like their moments of real seriousness, they have sort of an over the top, uh, dark sense of humor to them. Well, that I mean, that was the point. It's the Coen Brothers, and also it's like a parody. Um, so yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I think that, um, yeah, I think you're right. I do think you're right. I think where the movie failed was when they didn't go as far over the top as they should have. You know, um, like the one with near Algodonas, whatever, with James Franco, where I was like, that's just like, I don't know, like it was like funny at like the end, but then it, like for most of it, I was like, I don't know what's going on. What are we doing here? Right. Why are we watching this? Um, I thought if he'd gotten himself into a few more situations where he was about to die and then got saved, I thought it would have worked a little better. It would have. You're absolutely right. As it was, though, it was like one time. Like, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Like, they, they built an interesting pattern there, but they should have kept it going. Right. So they, they didn't really do enough with that one. Or like the one where the guys were Tom Waits is like panning for gold. Like, ooh, I really like that one, actually. But I, I just really like Tom Waits. I like Tom Waits. He's great. But like... It was such a boring segment. Like, I don't really understand the point. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, it's not about destroying nature because nature comes back just fine. So, like, I think it's about, um, like, trying to take the shortcut in life. Um, you know, because the guy who tries to shoot him and take the gold is trying to take the easy way. Whereas Tom Waits, you know, spent like a week looking around for this one patch of earth that had the gold in it. Yeah, but Tom um, Waits doesn't really out. come out of it on top either. <laughs> well, he he comes out alive, and while he gets shot, he's got, like, he it doesn't hit anything important. So he just maybe fine. makes it somewhere in time to get some money off of that gold. But that's yeah. not a given, given the shot that he took. So uh, I, I feel like Tom Waits will make it through. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I get the like feeling he's a hard guy to kill. Um, I'm just saying that I didn't really understand. Also, the CGI deer 
cannot like it is so cgi it's like you look at it and you're like dear holy mother of all (laughs) things good like that thing is so fake it was hilarious like i feel like maybe it was intentional like it it was not meant to look bad like because it looks so bad like Mm. (laughs) as soon as it showed up i was like this movie definitely had more money than this like yeah, it's, no one of those, it's one of those things that, you know, we're going to look at it in like 10 or 15 years and be like, oh, my God, like what? <laughs> well, if we're looking at it now and thinking that, that's a yeah. bad sign. Yeah, exactly. Like because like, um, most CGI, at least like when it comes out, you look at it and you're like, oh, that was good. And then 10 years later, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, for already uh, having complaints about it, it's probably not going to end up too well. Um, at least it's not as bad as that cougar in uh, Dog's Way Home. I haven't seen that yet. Well, the trailer just uh, I know. told me all I needed to know. <laughs> I almost saw a Dog's Way Home within the past week. Oh my I God, came why? really close. Well, I was like, maybe I should just like put my money where my mouth is and just like go watch it. Like I know, right? It, it sort of feels like you have to earn the right to talk shit about it at some point. I know. You're like, uh, all right, yeah, I saw that, and it was awful. Like, I can't say objectively that it was awful. I can say that the trailer annoyed the hell out of me, and I don't think I will like it, but who knows? Yeah, I feel I feel you. Like, I feel like I have to, like, I have to know. But I think I'll wait till home release. I do think I'll watch it when it's on home release. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I've got so much else to watch, but maybe, maybe just to prove a point. Exactly. Yeah. I love to prove a point. Like that's I've like watched, one of my favorite pastimes. So I've watched movies for worse reasons. Certainly, I have um, watched movies for very many bad reasons. <laughs> very many. I punish myself with bad movies. Eventually, the day will come where my my card will be called, and it will be my time to watch A Dog's Way Home. That day will come. I know it. That is your fate. That's what the gods of cinema want. Fate calls us all one time or another. I can't say no to them. The gods of cinema direct my life. They demand a sacrifice. Yeah. And that sacrifice is watching A Dog's Way Home starring Bryce Dallas Howard as a CGI puppy. Well, no, the puppy is actually... The puppy is real. The puppy is one of the few real things... Because, like, all the other animals are fake. The puppy hides in a couch. Have we established why? I just want to know don't why. know why. We don't know why. Why uh, is the puppy in a couch? We might have to see it just for that. Well, why do uh, our conversations always come back to a dog's way home? <laughs> I'm so perplexed by this movie. Um, I think I remember hearing that it has something to do with the dog's breed. Like, it's a breed that's illegal or something. Um which sort of I'm adds sorry, a this whole... about illegal dog breeds. <laughs> yeah, you know, like how pit bulls and stuff like that. But the dog seems perfectly normal. Like it doesn't seem like some sort of hyper aggressive breed or anything. It looks like a normal just, dog. Yeah, it just looks. I don't even know what breed it is. It just looks very average, like any old dog. Um, but yes, that's neither here nor there. There is a dog in uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh which, uh, God! Pays a pretty uh, plays a pretty crucial role in uh, one of the segments. Um, that segment was sad. Yeah. In fact, the um, so spoiler alert, I guess. But the one thing I didn't like about that, like 
the reason I didn't rank that segment higher is because like, okay, so I really liked like most of it. I thought it was really fun for most of its runtime. Um, I thought Zoe Kazan is great. I mean, she's always great. I love her. Oh yeah. She's I want her to be in like everything ever. Um, and so I was really excited for her to be in this and I thought she was really, really good, but I didn't really think it earned like the bleak ending. Like, like why did we follow it that long for that to be the ending? Like, <laughs> like, like it just didn't, it didn't really serve a purpose. Like it didn't tell me anything. So what were we doing here? Um, no, I think the point of that one is just sort of like death can derail your life even when you think you have it all planned out. Like I, I think like the one thing that really ties all these but segments that together. Been like the the that could have been the point of it without having the death at the very end. Like we so didn't. Where, need... where would you put the death? Well, no, but, like, we didn't need her death. Like, we didn't need that. Her brother died very unexpectedly. You think he's going to be a main character for the first, like, two and a half minutes of the segment, and then he's gone. And so it could have just been about, like, her struggles and, like, whatever. I don't think she needed to shoot herself in the forehead. Like, (laughs) like. That's true. I don't really see what that told us. Like, it didn't tell us anything. But it it did have that. Because it also would have been, like. It would have been different if, like, it had been an accidental death, even. Like, but it was, like, self-inflicted. Well, it kind of was an accident because she wouldn't have killed herself if she'd she'd seen that um, the other guy was about to uh, beat off the final Indian. Yeah, but, like, also the fact that she didn't see that is kind of ridiculous because it was, like, a literal, like, five-second reversal. Yeah. So, like, you really, like, she, like... She saw him go down once and then was like, oh my gosh, I have to do something oh, right that's away. That's it. I was like, she what? Was, really? She was very hesitant at the, even the idea of shooting herself earlier. And then like when it comes time to actually do it, she's like, well, time to go. Yeah, apparently it took her like no time. So I'm like, that doesn't even add up. And so also just like it didn't need to, like it didn't really need to happen. I guess it was just like about how like life out on the West was like hard too. So like people are just dying. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. But like and a lot yeah. of it was like that, like, hey, it's kind of brutal out here. People are just I mean, dying willy nilly. Yeah. I mean, what like Brant brought every segment together was that a major character death happens in every single one. Like somebody dies like all the time, basically. Um, the only difference also- is the mortal remains. Nobody visibly dies on screen. Um, right. But there's but, like, you know, there's a dead guy on top of the carriage. I know, which time. is the funny part about the mortal remains, which is why yeah. I like, like it's that after you've seen five segments where like you've now decided, oh, somebody dies every single time. Nobody dies. There's just a dead body there the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, which is very funny to me. And also maybe they're about to kill somebody. And also maybe they're all already dead anyway. So See, like, I think what ties them together is they're all in a way about death and the way that uh, death can spring up so suddenly in a place where it's all around you, like the Wild West. And... um how sometimes it's kind of funny, sometimes it's sad, but it's sort of omnipresent in in the Wild right. West. Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely right. It is about that. I also think it's about just like the flippancy with which Westerns treated death all the time. Like yeah. people just like walk into a bar and shoot one another. And then like, it's like there are lives that were just lost. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, That's the great part about Buster Scruggs is that it, it 
keeps that sort of flippancy, but it makes it like super gory and over the top when it happens. And yeah. Buster Scruggs is just like all cheery and whimsical about it. Uh, that was by far my favorite segment. I would like to see like a feature length of just that bit. I don't know I if think everybody has worn that. I think everybody has wanted like some sort of longer version of Buster Scruggs. But, yeah. Like, that was it really good. It would be deserved. It was a great segment. Um, it was awesome. I would love that too. But I don't know if we'll ever get it. It'd be nice. It'd be so nice. Oh my gosh, that movie's showing at the IFC Center. Ooh. You could see that on the big screen right now. I, I could do it, that. I think it's showing at the AFI at some point too. I mean, um, it has to have shown on the big screen in order for it to get the yeah, like to get some of these nominations. No, but, it was showing at the E Street at one point, but it's been gone for a while. Right, right. Oh, yeah. It was a. I mean, I really liked it. Um, I do agree with you that um, the when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings was a great song. Yeah. And I thought it was just it was so funny the way it was like turned into a duet between the the one survivor of the duel and the ghost of the other guy. (laughs) Right. It was. Yeah. I thought it was funny. I thought it was really funny. Um, So I really liked that. I mean, in general, I really liked the movie. Um, So I guess the only one the only segment we haven't touched on is meal ticket. Um, Yeah. I, Though I don't I, know if I want to touch on it. <laughs> yeah. I like the basic idea behind that one, but I felt like it kind of dragged on for a while and didn't really have a great payoff. I can see that, yeah. Um, although it makes sense that Liam Neeson would shoot somebody who didn't deserve to die now. But um... <laughs> We know a little bit more about him this week. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so I guess that was like the one thing that movie taught me. It braced me for this. this week. <laughs> um Oh, so yeah, I liked meal ticket though. I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I liked every segment at least a bit. I didn't like hate any of them. I wouldn't say I hated any of them. The James Franco one was really not great to me, but um, yeah. okay. it just didn't when it ended. I was like, I gained nothing out of that. <laughs> so I don't know why I had to watch it. Like, cause the rest of them, I feel like they were at least going for something that one because it shortchanged itself so much. I was like, there's, it didn't even go for anything. Nothing happened. Literally nothing. Hmm. So yeah, I was not a fan of that one, but otherwise I thought they at least like had effort and artistic merit. So. All right. So, um, the one last bit of business, I guess now we've covered all the movies we've seen is, uh, we finally, got the word today officially that there's going to be no host for the Academy Awards this year. Um, I think we were all expecting this because they never made any sort of announcement after Kevin Hart um, was officially passed over the second time after that whole fiasco. Um, But now we've had official word uh, less than a month out. I'd say like, two weeks, uh, two and a half weeks away from the ceremony. They're finally telling us there's going to be nobody hosting it. This is going to be weird. It might be better actually, but it's definitely going to be weird. It is going to be weird. I honestly, I'm worried it's going to be really annoying, but I hope it's good. I really do. Yeah. Cause everyone's like, Oh great. You know, the host stuff is usually 
the most annoying part. But we forget the fact that they're going to have a whole bunch of other people presenting and they can make those people do all the annoying stuff that they make the host do anyway. Right. The ho- um, like the host aspects are still going to be there probably. Yeah. The, there's still going to be skits that we all cringe at that go on for way too long while they're presenting the cinematography awards during the commercial breaks and we have to watch everyone in the theater eat hot dogs or some crap like that. Um, but you know, that's just, that's been part and parcel for the way the Academy Awards are run for years. So we're used to it, but, um, well, it's definitely a little bit of a twist this year. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I don't really know what to expect. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm a little, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued, but not super excited. Let's go with that. Yeah. I hope it's good, but worried it won't be. Is all. It's hard to imagine that that's going to go well. They can barely pull it together when there is a host. Yeah. Yeah. And without that sort of like uniting presence, who knows what will happen. Right. Like the host is just like a a backbone, right? Like, so it's like Mm. without that, I don't really know what I think is going to happen here. It'll be interesting. This definitely feels like a strange year for the Oscars. There's all sorts of controversies going around. There's always a controversy or two, but this year it's just it's just the wild west out there. Uh, right. <laughs> we'll see how it shapes up, but it should be it should be an interesting few hours at least. It should be more fun than the Super Bowl, I think. <laughs> that's that's difficult to say (laughs) oh god i was so bored by that and the fact that i can say that as somebody who's like a very very intense football fan (laughs) (laughs) you would think that this would be no contest the super bowl should be better but uh no i don't i don't know um it's very possible that you're right (laughs) that was a bad game but i i mean hmm I'm just worried that it's going to be so obnoxious because they're going to try so hard to fill the space of not having a host, but we'll see. Um, Yeah, true. Yeah, who knows? Well, uh, anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think uh, movies or the Oscars. I think we're good. I think uh, it's worth noting that probably the next time y'all hear from us, it'll be like all shorts. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, the we've shorts got are about to drop, so I'll be seeing them all weekend. I don't know about you, but uh, that's my plan. Yeah, they the come shorts. out. They come out in theaters on the eighth. Um, so if you're near a theater that's showing them, look out for that. That's always one of my favorite parts of the whole Oscar experience. So I definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it before. At the very least, go check out the animated ones because those are always pretty lighthearted. They're fun, and you get to see a lot of different styles of animation. It's a great time. Yeah, the the animated ones are really fun just because of the different styles of animation. Although the documentaries are always really important. Yeah, those are interesting. Those can be a little bit harder to get through, though, because they're they're usually they're usually like 30 to 40 minutes long each. And so it's like a long program when you see it. Sometimes it'll be two. There'll be like A A and B. Um, There's not this year, though. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's all one program this year. Yeah, I haven't seen anywhere doing multiple. So that's good. Because um, yeah, so last year I'll be really short. Last year I had to go back for two trips, and it took a lot of time. Yeah, same. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, no, this year I, it doesn't look like any of them are showing a B, um, which is really either the places listing it aren't listing them very well or yeah, no, I'm looking now like, um, there's a three hour gap between the showings of them at the syndicated and it's saying all five for all three of them. Oh, nice. So it, it's able to show all five at three thirty. And then get everyone out, clean up, and be ready for the six thirty showing. So, yeah. So if you want to sit around and watch two and a half hours of documentary shorts, um, go check that out too. Those are a lot harder to find, but I'll sometimes, definitely I mean, be seeing often them. Often like breaks and not like breaks, but like there's like filler in between or something. Sometimes yeah. um, where oh, they'll be cool. like, oh, here's something else, and sometimes there'll be like a, a literal break, like a okay, hold on, take a second. Um, so. There should be more of that in general in movies. I got to say, um, the the intermission is very underrated. And, yeah, and we need I to bring it that. back. We need to bring it back. I, actually, when I was watching, um, this was sort of a makeshift intermission. When I was watching First Man last night, uh, I started to get tired about halfway through. I just paused it, slept for like an hour, and then finished the movie. It was nice. great. It's very yeah. relaxing. Very, very yeah. fun way to break it up. And... Um, I think my most recent experience with an actual intermission was seeing uh 2001 A Space Odyssey in theaters uh with intermission as originally intended. Oh yeah, they did a real intermission. Yeah. And it was nice. It, it was it's a good way to break it up so you're not sitting there for like two and a half hours, especially with how long some of the movies are these days. Right. Which speaking of, we've got uh Never Look Away coming up is like three hours and 15 minutes or something like that. Are you kidding me? It's really long. It's Jesus really long. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, we both have that to look forward to <laughs> in addition to um, all these shorts that we're going to be watching. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know it was that long. It's it's very long. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be really good, though. Um, and supposedly you won't feel the runtime. I'm really hoping I just for don't it. believe that I won't feel the runtime. It's it's hard to say, uh, but yeah, we were just talking about this recently. Uh, m- movies should be shorter in general. Like it's hard to justify a runtime over two hours, unless it you're is. really really careful with the pacing and the um, character development, because otherwise you just get completely lost in what's happening. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Only a few filmmakers are really capable of doing it. Um, yep. but we'll see. I mean, I've been hearing good things, so hopefully it doesn't feel too bad. Yeah. Hopefully um, we enjoy it. And yeah, we'll get back to you on how that was, how the shorts go. Um, and how we are, <laughs> how the process of trying to find how to see border goes. Uh, we'll figure it out. I believe in us. We'll, we'll find something. And so you can follow us on Twitter. We'll post throughout the week uh, a little couple updates as to how we're doing. And um, look for us next week. Once again, we'll bring you our continued exploits in the Oscar movie race. Um, And if you like what we're doing, uh, give us a rating on iTunes. uh, Subscribe for more of this content. We don't always talk about Oscar movies. We do all sorts of movies, uh, usually what's in theaters, but uh, some old stuff too. And uh, as always, we'll see you at the movies.
See you at the movies.